0: Dear Shooter, once the standard for firearms education in the United States and one of the most feared lobbying organizations on Capitol Hill, the NRA has been embroiled in controversy. While we have hesitated to discuss the issue, with court dates pending, it's time to confront this particular packeter. Of course I have.
1: (laughs)
2: Just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here.
1: Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first. And put your budget to things that really matter at the day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it. That's training. Let's face it. If you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. <laughs> and we've all seen it.
0: <laughs> wow. I feel the love. There it is. <laughs> and great
1: <written text. laughs> All of the sensibilities of that. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooters brought to you by WioTac Empowerment through Self Reliance and Lucid Optics on target under budget. Well, happy Thursday. And uh, we're going to broach a topic today that we've kind of actively not discussed for a lot of reasons. But, you know, I. I got an article the other day uh, talking about they're getting ready to start negotiating court dates for the trial in New York, and unfortunately, it's it's time to talk about this because there's a lot of things going on with the NRA, and I, my particular stance on it is it's an organization worth saving, but there's got to be a lot of things done.
1: So you're absolutely right. I'm an NRA kid, have been for, well, ever. But in the past decade, they've hit some really negative press. Um, Some of it's been earned. I think some of it might be blown out of proportion. Um, There's a lot of opinions on the matter. But we're watching this thing in New York, and the AG in New York brought a case, and in its investigation side, they found that they had a case. So there's some teeth to it. There's reality of the case that it's going to be about how they held up for the membership, what they did with membership money. Um, there's some things you can and can't do as a 501c3 lobbyist organization with membership money. Um, your bylaws are important that you adhere to them. There's a lot of moving parts in this discussion, and there's a lot of emotion around it as well because they are, at the end of the day, the Second Amendment advocate group that is supposed to argue on principle for their membership.
0: Go back just a second. Are they really a 501c3 because that is supposed to be a non-lobbyist, non-governmental group? Are they not a C4? Yeah,
1: I'm not sure exactly how Isla is structured. I know that the they, they're a non-profit. I know that. I don't know C4, or C3 exactly. I know the NRA Foundation, which is separate from the NRA, from the lobbying side because they are a 501c3, can't talk politics. You might be exactly right on that, but well, m- The point being is th- it's a membership-driven organization, and there's a lot of moving parts, and you get enough people with enough places of power and corruption, bad decisions, even if they meant well and thought they were doing good by the membership at the time, might have been outside the charter, and that's what we're talking about here.
2: Right. And, and I don't lay this 100% at the feet of the leadership. Yes, they were the ones making the decisions. They were the ones writing the checks. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, the membership has to be held accountable a little bit too here because it's up to the membership to hold those leaders accountable. And, and I, I've seen a lot of kind of absentee membership Guys that feel like, you know, I paid my money, I got my life membership, and now I'm owed.
1: There's a big misconception of how that works, and you're right. I, I know a lot of life members that, that honestly think that they're a life member and that the NRA owes them. And the NRA in a lot of ways does owe that membership because without that membership, they wouldn't be in existence. I think the the life guys take it a shade far. Um, and speaking from experience on it, I, I'm an endowment member. Um, which is a couple steps above life member. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe in the cause strongly enough to engage. Now, in the recent years, I have stopped giving them money because they're not listening to membership. I Um, have too. And I've I've found like a broken record when they call. If Wayne LaPierre is still the executive vice president, I'm no longer giving you any more funds. Now, I haven't gone as far as some as to go in and... Invalidate my membership has to be taken off. I'm not that guy. Um, I think we're better and stronger together. At the end of the day, do I agree with what they're doing from a fifty thousand foot view? No, I do not.
2: No, I I totally agree with you. And and uh, you know the only money that I have left to give to the NRA is to maintain my instructor credentials, and and that's because that's a has to do with the state thing and and their licensing procedures. Uh, and, and at one time, like we said in the intro, the, the NRA was the training standard in the United States. They, they set the standard for it. Um, now, one of the things that we've seen and one of the consequences of what's going on with the mismanagement of funds uh, is that they have uh, severely limited what, the, what monies are going to training and education and as a result, we have really seen it suffer in the last decade.
1: The training and education programs overall have taken a pretty substantial step backwards in the past six, eight years. Um, NRA training um, is still kind of the, the groundbreaking um, initial first to do it right. They, they pioneered a lot of the systems and standards of which we use today. Um, range building. Um, Range Services is still a great product that the NRA puts out. Um, They help folks develop quality ranges and keep them from coming under fire over silly stuff legally. Um, So, I mean, there's tons of programs that the NRA has in place that do good works. Um, They have not been very well funded over the past few years, and I think that their perception and efforts there have been masked in that whole veil of, problematic just like the rest of the nra
2: right and a lot of those programs so you look at things like eddie eagle uh friends of the nra those are those are nonprofits that are completely separated from nra proper now since a lot of this stuff came to light uh a lot of people don't differentiate and it doesn't really matter how much you try and explain it to them they're you know as soon as they hear the word nra they run the other way and and that's that's unfortunate because, there again, I, like I said, I think the NRA is an organization worth saving. Because if you look at their membership, if you look at their revenue, it's, it's twice what every other gun rights organization is combined.
1: Well, they were the only one for years and years and years. Um, in the past 20 years, there's been others that have stepped into the space to accommodate a membership that was looking for something different and more. In that same timeline, the NRA started not paying attention to its membership's voice as much as they maybe should have. Um, I remember being at a president's dinner and standing in front of Ted Nugent and talking to him. And he was all about enough's enough and ratcheting up the time to draw a line in the sand and stop letting a little bitty things be okay. He was talking about, you know, death by a thousand cuts. And while I completely agreed with him, at the same time, the NRA was bleeding membership because they weren't standing on principle in a lot of the lawsuits that were going on at the same time. And then so I walked across the room, and I got to talk to Mr. Chris Cox at the time. And he was a a little bit on the agitated side of it, and he had a good point. The NRA is put in a really bad situation from a legal perspective. They can push principle and maybe... Win the lawsuit, maybe lose the lawsuit, and expose the membership to some pretty incredible, dramatic hits to the Second Amendment. Or they could placate the lawsuit and win it in appeals. Both are pretty smart tactics. Um, The public doesn't see or understand how that all works typically. So the efforts of the legal team at the NRA during that time frame, people weren't understanding what was going on. and The PR engine missed it. They should have explained it, but they didn't. And I think for tactical reasons they didn't.
2: Well, uh, tactical reasons, or um, and a lot of the things that you were talking about, they were still very, very involved, pretty much in bed with Ackerman McQueen, and and with Ackerman doing a lot of their PR. We all know, and I think uh, I think it really came to light during Carry Guard that Ackerman was just a horrible PR firm for it. Just, uh, you know, simply editing their their material that they were using. Uh, you know, I saw images and some statements come out during that time that made me shake my head and go, uh, you know, who's, who's watching over all this? Uh, it, you know, it, it just, it, it was really bad PR, uh, and all of that was coming out of Ackerman.
1: Uh, most big marketing firms do a pretty good job, but they also suffer from complacency. They get so big, and their budgets are enormous to the point where they set a course early on in the year, and they don't deviate from the course. They stay it, and they go about it right, wrong, or indifferent. And in the political world, in the NRA Second Amendment world, the conversation changes on a daily basis. You have to adapt to and with that, right? So what they've done is created a big engine that just doesn't work effectively. So, from a big marketing standpoint, I see that all the time with other marketing agencies. It's a normal thing with marketing agencies, they, the complacency save. Um, that's why people switch marketing agencies all the time. They need that fresh look and that new vigor of interest and energy, right? But compounding this, evidence came to light that Ackerman McQueen was doing side deals and doing things that were inappropriate with membership money, And paying off people to be the face that they never really were. Just lots of shady stuff was being done. And probably all for the intentional better of the NRA, however, it was done wrong. Right? So, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. And here we are. That's what the Ackerman McQueen thing all shook out to be. Right. Um, A good friend of mine was the one that went to Fairfax and found the documents and was the one that broke it to the board and kind of really caused a rift on the board because there's a lot of folks that were just there to, you know, get their serving of mashed potatoes at their meeting and go about their day and be recognized as a board member. And there's a handful of folks there that really want to make a difference. And then there's the old entrenched guard who are going to do what they do regardless of what membership or the board really wants. Mm -hmm. And that's unacceptable. Well,
2: and and, and the thing that, that really bothers me about what's going on is and we we saw the start of this uh would have been four years ago uh at indy when when all of this stuff very first came to light and they they started finding documentation of mismanagement of funds this is uh and i think it was that that those documents that you're talking about that came to light and that prompted the new york ag to uh, begin this lawsuit and uh, one of the probably a really dumb move but the NRA tried to file bankruptcy and and why I say this is a dumb move is now it just opened up all the books to the New York AG
1: well the books were going to be opened anyway they were hemorrhaging money to a point where they weren't going to be able to survive the, the preliminary investigation on the trial side mm-hmm. and I understand the the, the bankruptcy is a tool of business and it it protects certain things and would short things up so things could continue um, at this point with the injunctions and all that that happened in that timeline they're gonna have to admit and understand that they got caught doing it right wrong or different it's in the past but they got caught doing it they will close down for a day they'll have to reincorporate someplace else restructure a little bit and they're going to come out bigger and better i think in the long run than they ever were having learned some lessons when you incorporate in a state like new york and at the time they're very conservative and then over well, the time they change right and now you're incorporating a state that has a target painted on your back they were looking for a reason
2: they were, and, and understand, you know, people, you know, I, I've had people ask me, why in the world did they incorporate in New York? Well, understand that the NRA was founded in 1871. Okay, this is a 152-year-old organization. Um, one of one of the issues that I think we face now, um, if you look at Wayne in particular, he has been the executive vice president for 32 years. He, he was first elected to the office in 1991. Positions like that were never meant to be a career. Um, it's just like we, you know, we gripe about politicians all the time that stay in office way longer. Uh, you know, look at look at what just happened, what yesterday with Mitch McConnell. He froze in the middle of a speech. It's like well, he's eighty one years old. What? You, why? Why do we let people stay in that long?
1: It's no different. No, it's exactly the same. But it's back to the responsibility of the board to institute corrections and resolutions and parts of the bylaws and use Robert's rules to correct that.
0: The board isn't that young?
1: No, they're not. And there's a bunch of, I like to call them fashion board members. Sorry guys in advance, but at the end of the day, you are not there to protect the Second Amendment. You are there to have a checkbox on a resume. And there's a whole bunch of you and you know who you are. There's no reason in the world that an organization like the NRA needs 75 board members. No. That's too big. No. You can't get anything done with that many chefs in the kitchen.
2: Mm-mm. No, and how do you even get everybody together to even meet, like, to, to make the decisions? Um, okay, fine. You, you know, the NRA is big. But I'm not even sure, like, our state government has that many appointments. Uh, it, you know, <laughs> They're dealing with a lot bigger issues. But... Even at that, uh, one of the things that I that I saw and, and I found very disappointing is, it, at the time when all this first came out, there were members on the board that that were, you know, shouting the alarm. They were waving the red flag, going, "Whoa, wait a minute, guys! We got to stop. We got to fix this. We got to figure this out." And every one of them was pushed out, uh, forced to resign, whatever it may have been. But uh, Wayne turned around and surrounded himself with loyalists. And and all that did was exasperate the problem.
1: You couldn't be more right. I mean, you can watch it. It's been documented. You can see it totally. The The leadership at the NRA was a top echelon. Everybody else got pushed around pretty hard. If you wanted to keep your seat, you fell in line. Mm-hmm. And they exercised that and made an example out of a few folks. Um, I'm proud to call some of those folks my friend. Mm-hmm. They stood on principle at the end of the day in an organization like that, that's top heavy, that principle can get you murdered.
2: Right. And that's a sad thing, especially, and, and even on this show, we have discussed about how the gun culture, the, the the people in this industry and in this culture are a better culture, are a better people. And unfortunately we have our cancers um, and, this is one of them. And I, and I have compared the NRA leadership to Congress. They've been there too long, and they care more about keeping their power and keeping their status than they do about doing right by the organization.
1: Well, when you look at a lobbyist mindset, they get things done by greasing the wheel and standing on principle, ideally. When you start sacrificing your principle for the grease of the wheel, the membership suffers. And that's where the situation we find ourselves in today.
2: And again, I, I I go back to I I do put some of the blame on the members. However, uh, I was at the the N D N R A show in 2019. I, w- I was there at those member meetings, and they got spicy. Um, so the the membership was speaking out. They were upset, and they were voicing their their disgruntledness. However, uh, when after that happened, uh, everybody left, and that's when a lot of these guys on the board started getting pushed out, and the members felt like they had no voice. And so the last few NRA meetings, people aren't showing up because they feel like you're not going to listen to us anyway, so the hell with you.
1: And it, it, it's more venomous than you're leading on, um, In 2019, people were there. It was spicy. You're right. The people were being heard. And then repercussions came down for them having a voice. And it it scattered them to the wind for 2020. Nobody really wanted to voice their real opinion about the NRA in 2020. 2021, we had a couple of candidates that were looking to run for Wayne's spot. Mm -hmm. And it would have been an excellent time for Wayne to step back. And say he's had a good run. And offer it up to some new blood. He could have stepped out as a hero. Mm -hmm. Um, But then by holding on the way that they did, and in 2022 manipulating Robert's rules to make it so nothing could happen, and it killed the board of director meeting, flat out killed anything else they could do. Mm -hmm. That showed the true colors of the people we're talking about here. Right. And it was that action that pretty much made me put everything nra in my personal world on pause right i am still for the idea of an organization fighting for your second amendment rights and there's a couple others that i've started to explore Mm -hmm. but for me i'm not going to give up on the nra just yet there's too many of us there's too much of an importance on this one specific issue because let's be candid about it the Second Amendment protects the First.
2: It, it, it protects everything. And without the
1: First and the Second Amendments to the Constitution, your Bill of Rights means absolutely nothing.
2: Right. Ag- agreed. And and the Second Amendment is under attack like never before on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's scary. And and we've talked about the the lies and the mistruths and, and just the, the flat-out misdirection that the media and the left uses to attack guns. Um People will sit there, oh, they, they, it's just ignorance. It's not. It's not ignorance. They're lying, uh, and, they're, and they're lying to manipulate the, the, the 50% of people that have no clue.
1: Public opinion is a sway right now. Mm-hmm. It is. Now, I've talked to the leadership of other Second Amendment organizations. They do not want the NRA to go away. No. It would leave an incredible void that I'm not sure could be picked back up, and that torch carried they're right now in some turmoil. They're going to come through it, probably not in the same condition they're in today, but they're going to come through it. Like I was saying, there's too many of us that believe in the cause.
2: Right. My fear is that you're going to have, you know, I, I agree with you. I, th- I think that uh, the NRA is going to be forced out of New York, and they're going to reincorporate probably in Texas. My fear is that you're going to have too many hangers on. Uh, From the existing board And people are going to look at that And not join the new organization Because of
1: that And I think it's probably Really, really valid If the folks at the NRA Really care about the NRA They're going to all step back And reapply for their job With a new vigor and zeal For the second amendment And some of those folks can stay I think they've, they've earned their seat But we do need some new blood We need some younger blood and some folks that understand contemporary times and technology and are able to use it.
2: Right. I just uh, that that that's my biggest fear is you you start seeing anybody that is in the current leadership that that is becomes leadership of the new NRA. Um, I think it, I think it kills the the venture and kills the cause. It's it's dead on arrival because people are going to look at that and go, all right, what's changed. Um, it's the same people in the same places doing the same things.
1: The change is going to have to be dramatic. Mm -hmm. It won't be able to be subtle and be tolerated. If it's going to survive the next 50 years,
0: change is going to have to be dramatic.
1: And we're going to have to get back to standing on principle and not being swayed by any argument that compromises the Second Amendment of the United States. The Constitution.
2: Agreed. It it has to be zero compromise from the from the lobbyist point of it. Now on the other side, we've got to get back to education and activism. Um, the NRA was founded, uh, and and this is this is coming straight from the NRA. The primary goal of the association would be to promote and encourage rifle shooting on a scientific basis. According to a magazine editorial written by William Church, um, who was one of the founders of the NRA.
1: What year was this written?
2: 1871.
1: Okay, so that principle alone, if it was the driving force of today, the NRA NRA's problems would go away. It would. But we got into too many things, too many different levels of politics, and money— big money when lobbyists generate money to push their agenda there's money being generated to help those folks push that agenda mm-hmm. and that kind of power corrupts absolutely
2: it, uh, and we watched it happen
1: so the reset is not necessarily going to be a bad thing it'll be not necessarily good for the organization overall but it'd be good for the membership overall
2: i think it would be um one of the things that i would i would really like to see uh, like I said, is, is get back into education. Um, like I said earlier, there they've really let the education side of the organization slip. Um, and and I just read an article where, what twenty twenty one, they were spending one hundred and seventy five million dollars on educ on the education side of the NRA. That is down to seventy five million now.
1: Uh, and let's st- stop talking about numbers. Let's talk about a percentage of their overall budget, though. Um, their training had to streamline. They were getting beat. They had to take that money and use it for legal defense. And some of it, rightly so, some of it was just misallocated. I want to
0: say something about money. Okay. What is Wayne's salary? It's substantial. Mm-hmm. I do actually we, don't know Do we have number. a roundabout I, a number? I, I don't. Um, and is I, it and more... I, than the President of the United States, then it's horseshit. Well,
1: let's table that answer real quick. Jason, look it up. I've I've tried. I can't find it. You can't
2: find it? I've got nine screens open. I cannot find it.
1: Interesting. I know a couple guys I'll call after we get off the show, and I'll actually have that answer for folks. But he does a lot of good works. And I think way back in the day, um, him standing in the gap and actually... Being the guy that negotiated the NRA out of some tough, tight spots, he earned his money.
0: As the executive vice president of the NRA, Wayne Lapierre earns an annual salary of nine hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, according to the organization's most recent Form nine hundred ninety filing. Okay, so he typically earns a bonus of around one hundred fifty thousand. This was posted on March twenty third, twenty twenty three.
1: All right, so a million a year. Mm-hmm. So he's higher than the United States president on record, but let's be absolutely honest and real about that number. That is not the number he makes on an annual basis. No. He is paid to do the lobbying thing and voice certain concerns by other interests. That's the problem of the NRA right now. It
2: it is, but but I'm going to defend that just a little bit. You name another person that has a bigger target on his back than Wayne LaPierre?
0: I'm not sure that you can.
2: Um, so I think a lot of that salary is justified.
1: Well, I, I would argue that.
0: I would, too, because you don't think the President of the United States is a target?
1: Um, as far as a target going and, and, and doing the good works that he does without hesitation, I I would argue the fact that the salary is one thing, the absolutely security and the well being of that individual is a NRA membership thing overall and not factored into his salary. Correct. So I, you can't count that as a number. That's not a motivation for the salary. No.
2: No. But still, I mean I I, I would argue that his his salary is probably earned.
0: So what is the President of the United States making about five hundred thousand a year? Four hundred
2: and fifty thousand a year.
0: Okay. So as of twenty twenty one the NRA's treasurer makes 665,000. The manager, dire- managing director of advancement, makes 688,000. The executive director of membership makes 542,000. They are not there to protect the Second Amendment. They are there because this is pretty darn good money, if you ask me.
2: Well, agreed, and and we've, we've already proven that just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you're effective. I mean, Fauci was the highest-paid government employee in history, and he was wrong on everything. So I don't think they're paying these guys these salaries necessarily because of the job they do. Now, to be fair, a lot of these guys do great jobs. Chris Cox did. Fantastic work
0: are these people able to create their own raises like Congress does? they vote on it and say, yep, need a raise
1: they can propose it to the board the board has to authorize it i don 't know of a single circumstance where the board denied it
0: okay they 're supposed to be using our money to protect the 2a. Nobody needs that kind of living money
1: for what they do, I would absolutely say you 're right. Um, not having done the job, I'm not going to say that the salary is not justified. I would say that there's a lot more to the job than I understand if that's their salary or something's wrong.
2: Well, and, and, and it's like you were saying it, that that salary is kind of a drop in the bucket when you talk about at, at their height, uh, the NRA was uh, taking an annual revenue of approximately $380 million. Uh, you know 1.1 is kind of a drop in the bucket
0: At one time I heard and I don't know if it's true because I did not research it That half the board members are getting paid to be there and the other half are not. How is that justified?
1: Uh, and that's a point of contention with a lot of the board members that I know is um, There should not be a payment to be on the board That's not part of the deal However, they come with prestige They come with availability to move the needle in other directions The boards shouldn't be meant for that
0: So basically they're influencers In a lot of ways yes And they're celebrities
1: Absolutely yes
0: I mean don't get me
1: wrong I love Ted Nugent And you can't argue with his principles He's right Right He's polarizing in how he says it But he's right But But as a board member He should not accept money Ted's there because he gets a lot of attention
0: He does But as a board member If you want to make money Then take another role as a board member, you should not be making money.
1: Well, I will say, you know, Ted's one of those that didn't get paid, to my knowledge. But from a why you're on the board. You're on the board because you get attention.
2: Well, it, it, here's where a lot of the problem comes in. Um, we know that the NRA has bled membership. And it, as a consequence, revenue. Uh Current total is somewhere less than two hundred million for their their total revenue in twenty twenty two. Ouch. Sixty million of that went to the Brewer law firm. Yeah. To to defend this lawsuit in New York. Yeah. And and unfortunately, um, it, it, Brewer's attorneys have have kind of been an utter failure in that regard.
1: Well, they're losing the case. The case was a loser when they took it. Um, There's a lot of hours there. There's a lot of things to fight. And I will offer that while they're doing that, there are things that the other side put into the the lawsuit that we may not be getting told about, but that would have jeopardized the membership and the citizenry in
0: this country. Right.
1: So they are doing a decent job of attempting to lose this lawsuit with grace.
0: (laughs) If they are in trouble for that many things and admit to, I've seen an article where they admitted to so many accounts. Of doing wrong, it's really difficult for your lawyer to save your ass. Just saying.
2: Well, and and look at the other lawsuits that they've been involved in. It, there, there was a lawsuit with Ackerman McQueen or they had, a, uh, they had a $12 million settlement that they had to pay. Um, uh, there was another one, I believe, with, with Oliver North where not only did they have to pay his salary, which was uh, $2.5 million, um, But they also had to pay his legal fees. So at the end of the day, uh, the NRA paid almost $10 million in that lawsuit. And that's on top of their own legal fees.
1: The NRA membership paid that money. Oh yeah, Absolutely. It makes me crazy because a historical fact is my company donated to the NRA on an average of $25,000 a year. It's small potatoes in contrast to the numbers you're talking about, but I'm just one small little thing in the middle of all of it.
2: Right, but how many of those small little things are contributing? I there's there's a hundred there's hundreds of thousands of them that are doing it. Um, you know, Wyotech was a contributor for a while until all of this started came to light, and it was like, okay, until this is fixed, I'm not giving you any more.
1: And and that's where I'm at as well. But there was a lot of money, membership oriented and driven. Matter of fact, all of it for the most part for the NRA is membership driven, either it's endowments or gifts or. Um, Donations and whatever But there's a lot of money That this this organization generated Which is the problem That the AG is going to solve In New York Because that's their point of contention Well and
2: and here's a problem That I saw come up Um, The NRA Has internal auditors And when all of this stuff Started coming to light They swept this under the rug And they still have their job that's a problem
1: I agree with you completely
2: Um, now this is also a consequence of when they decided to gut the board and and get rid of anybody that they considered disloyal which I think is kind of crap because an organization like this you need to have some dissent in the ranks to make sure that you are going in the right direction
1: and I think a bylaw should be amended because of all that you're absolutely right on principle alone those things are not okay no,
2: no, they're absolutely not.
1: But these are the things that the AG in New York is going to use and show that they're violating their own bylaws and being irresponsible with membership money. That is what the lawsuit's about. Right. Which, it's a foregone conclusion. The is going to lose this, right? They'll be forced into a settlement. The membership will get a, a, a $2 sorry, and they'll dissolve reincorporate start over
2: now i have seen um and and i'm i'm reading this from an article from ammo land from june 28th um my understanding from this article is the judge in this case has taken disillusion or yeah disillusion off the table uh, so they will not be forced to dissolve however i think that uh Probably the penalties and all the legal costs from this is going to force them into that, and 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 maybe that's the judge is doing that as a kind of get out of jail free card. We're not gonna we're not gonna force this issue because it's going to happen on its own.
1: It's a double edged sword. So taking disillusion off the table forces the NRA to be accountable again to its membership in a time where it has no money.
2: Right, if because they were. They were denied the the bankruptcy. That's
1: right. So that's when you're going to see the truly patriotic, diehard NRA folks demand the changes, get the changes, and the organization will come back.
2: I hope you're right. I really do. Um, I'm not sure the Second Amendment survives without the NRA, but the NRA has got to clean house.
0: Well, in the membership, you know the forms they send you when someone's up for election? Don't just throw that on your counter and throw it aside. Do vote. Yeah, vote. Everyone and throws that away. I almost guarantee most of them just throw it away and go, "Eh, not my problem."
2: Well, and that's and that's why I say I don't I don't put this 100% at the feet of the leadership. Yes, they they're the ones making the decisions, but at the end of the day, the members have to be engaged. It's, it's no different than voting for Congress and president. You, you don't get to just vote, and then it's done. You've got to hold their feet to the fire and hold them accountable.
1: Any kind of position that has power over membership of this size, that's true. But I'm going to circle back to a statement you just made. You don't think that the Second Amendment necessarily survives without the NRA. Well, the problem with that is I'm the NRA. Mm-hmm. You're the NRA. Right. Organization by itself is just a consolidated voice of us. Another recent thing in the news is, go ahead and try that in a small town. There's that. You try and take the Second Amendment away from folks in a small town and see how well you do. The NRA is a big organization because of small-town America. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's who we are. It's our culture. It has been for a couple hundred years now.
2: I don't disagree with that. So
1: with the organization
0: going away, the Second Amendment stands. The organization is what pays for the lawsuits that we don't deal with as an individual. The Second Amendment still stands.
1: Right. Because at the end of the day, whether the politicians want to believe it or not, this country is a group of citizens that allows their shenanigans to be okay. Right. And when that switch gets flipped and it's no longer okay, they're going to find out real quick.
2: Well, and, and I do hold out hope if, if something does happen, we do lose the let, let's say we do lose the NRA. Um, you know we talked about there are several organizations out there. I see the membership you know filling up those spots in those other organizations, and now we in, instead of having one monster, we've got five, um, because you've, you still have you know what, what are we at now? four and a half million members, maybe a little bit less. They're going to go other places. They're going to give their money to other places. And 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 you and I both have have talked to the some of the leadership and some of these other organizations, and they've been highly disappointed because through all this in the last three or four years, because of fighting all these lawsuits, the NRA's kind of been absent, and we're still winning.
1: On principle, mm-hmm. it's a winning principle,
2: right? So it, it, maybe maybe I'm wrong. The Second Amendment, we don't lose it without the NRA. Um, but that's a really big golf club to lose.
1: I don't care what you call it. NRA, GOA, Second Amendment organizations, I don't care what you call it. They are just a consolidated voice for the American people. Mm-hmm. Second Amendment doesn't go away.
2: No. I I mean, we, we've had these talks, and I, I don't. <laughs> this is probably something that eventually is not going to be one in a court.
1: Well, I have very spirited conversations with folks I consider friends. Highly intellectual people that are educated on the topic. And once you get past the idea that some other man can tell you your morality and if and how you can protect yourself because that's just not true. All these academic discussions and laws and statutes and gun control this and bullet ban that it's bullshit. Mhm. Every last stitch of it. do mm-hmm. Don't tell me what I can do. It's a free man against an intellectual man trying to control you. Well,
2: uh, y- your your intellectual pedigree doesn't doesn't trump my rights.
1: Correct. So, second amendment stays. I don't care what you call it. What organizations leading the charge, I'm behind them. Mhm. Because right's right and wrong's wrong, and Agreed. that's what we're talking about here. Agreed.
2: Um, at, at the end of the day, I, I, I hope that that the NRA can right the ship. I, I think they're they're an organization, and and I, and I guess my fear is this: um, the NRA provides more uh, accessibility to the second amendment through education through their range programs through you know you've got eddie eagle you have refused to be a victim which which teaches people how to be safe and and in, in different ways you know i'm an instructor for refuse to be a victim a lot of people don't even understand like what they put on their car puts them at risk um you know cybersecurity. these are programs that teach people that on a level that most people don't even think about if the NRA goes away, do these programs die? That's, that's, my, that's my fear.
1: They're already in existence and in place. Whatever organization comes next, we'll pick them up and dust them off and reinvigor and put them out to the public again. Um, they may get a tweak. They may get updated. But those programs are going to stay. The people have said that they want those things. Just like NRA training, while it has taken a, a backseat to some of the other trainings that's coming in the re- past recent years, it's still good training. The mm-hmm. principles of it, the curriculum, still good. The NRA pioneered all that. Right. Um, range services, um, dealing with ballistics and and how the range gets used safely, all the different disciplines, sports, the the competitive shooting nature of it. The NRA pioneered all of that. That right. foundation's already here. Right. It doesn't have to be called NRA anymore, but somebody will pick it up and that education will continue. And,
2: and you're absolutely right. And you look at you look at everybody that's that's pushing those limits. You you look at some of the, the cutting-edge instructors that are teaching pistols, that are teaching carbines, that are teaching long-range precision. The, those things were pioneered at Camp Perry. Those things were pioneered at, at the NRA's range in New York. Um, it, you know all of these guys that are doing this high-speed stuff and teaching the latest, greatest cutting edge, they are standing on the shoulders of the NRA programs.
1: Um, Absolutely right. I, I, I hope you're right. I hope
2: a lot of these things don't go away. And I and I even said this, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, there's a lot of trainings that, you know, the guys that are teaching it, they're they're getting up there and they're not doing it anymore. And and these are programs that really shouldn't die. Um so it's up to us to pick him up and carry him, and, and, and I think it's the same way with the NRA. It's we've got to get some new blood in there and reinvigorate the organization, get the, get the membership motivated, and, uh, and keep pushing forward.
1: And we just talked about this a couple podcasts ago. We were talking about next-level trainings, right? You can't look at a outdoor firearms-oriented training. That has not have some component of it that was built on a foundation from an NRA curriculum. Right. They pioneered it all. Mm-hmm. They became the authority on it all. Now, people learn. People adapt. And those curriculums get evolved. Changed enough to be named something else. Cool. Foundation's still the same.
2: It is. And and not to say that, that even, you know, the NRA's basic programs are basic pistol. And we've kind of... We've kind of made fun of it a little bit, even on this podcast from time to time. Uh, it's not that the information is invalid. Uh, it's just antiquated. And and if somebody was to go in and, and revamp it a little bit, update it a little bit, uh, it could be cutting edge again.
1: You're going to reach a whole new demographic when you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the NRA needs to do. Or any Second Amendment organization that comes in and picks up the torch, mm-hmm. they need to bring an improved version of themselves to market. It's an Amber Alert on the phones. Yeah, yeah, I've been getting it all day.
0: We have a missing guy with dementia. Oh, is that what that's all about?
1: Yep, he's actually driving a Jeep evidently, and nobody can find him.
2: <laughs> the same guys that lost the meth head in the the plowed field? No, no, that was long for. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> they had to put down the donut long enough. Sorry, guys.
2: So yeah, uh, at the end of the day, I, I hope I hope we can come out of this. Um, there's a lot of issues that need to be uh, they need to be looked at there, and, and unfortunately, there's people that need to be held account to account for for everything that's gone on in the last decade.
1: Well, we we talk a lot about. Empowerment through self-reliance. And when we talk about this topic, it hits really close to home for me because I honestly feel that as a membership-based organization focused on one principle and one principle alone, it's my responsibility to get involved, make a difference, get it educated, and be informed on what I'm talking about to share that with others because I am the NRA. Mm-hmm. So are you. So are you, Brandy. Because it's not the board, it's not the leadership, it's us. Whatever happens with this lawsuit is going to happen. It's not going to change us and how we go about our daily.
2: And I, I don't think I could have said it better myself, and I'm, and I'm really glad that that this podcast went in the direction that it did. I, I feel like it shed a little bit more positive light on something that people are like you said, very emotional about and, and, and rightly so pretty angry about. Um, but I do think that the NRA does do good works and hopefully that we can get through this and, and restructure and come out it stronger. So keep your heads up kiddos. Um, it's going to be a rough ride for the next few months, but you know, don't give up on the cause. Uh, don't, don't lose sight of the end goal here. Um, and, and if you have to blame something, just keep blaming the gun.